1: Welcome Surf Splendor podcast listeners. Thank you for joining us. This is your host, David Scales. Thrilled to be back for yet another episode leading off into our second year of the show. Thank you for all the kind words regarding our one year anniversary. I really appreciate all of that through email that we've received and um, a little bit on social media as well. So I'm excited for the next year, and um, I don't know, I just appreciate you participating in the first year, so look forward to the things to come for year number two. For today's episode, we I'm, I'm recording this here in Huntington Beach, California, probably about three miles from where we just wrapped up the U.S. Open today. It was the final day. Felipe Toledo beat out William Cardoso in the final Unfortunately, Felipe took out our hometown hero, Brett Simpson in the semifinal, but it was great to just see Sippo get that far in the event and accumulate some points, uh, to help him re-qualify for the 2015 tour. So we are Brett Simpson fans here, given our proximity and, uh, all in all, lackluster event but a good sporting event some really good heats went down and it was just good competition and good fun to view and um, so with that in mind we bring you today's episode which is entitled judgment j flow versus sea bass and it's an analysis of a controversial heat which took place a couple of weeks ago at the jeffrey's bay event in the world championship tour series. It was a round two heat, elimination heat. And um, if you're not into contest talk and ASP talk, I still encourage you, give this episode 10 minutes. Listen to it. See if you don't find something interesting in the conversation. Because to me, this analysis of this heat has a lot to do with just the way that we view surfing. The conversation isn't so much about you know, who won the heat, Jeremy versus Sebastian Zietz. It's more a conversation just about how do we try to objectify the viewing of surfing? How do we objectively critique the way that somebody rides a wave? And I'll be perfectly candid with you. My argument is that it's a fool's errand and that it's an impossible endeavor to try to set A specific standard for the way that a wave should be ridden. Now, all that being said, I fully enjoy competitive surfing and I like to pick winners and I like fantasy surfing and putting a team together and trying to do better than my friends. But, kind of in the grander scheme of things, I also believe that it's completely subjective and that my opinion is no more valid than your opinion or than anyone else's opinion. but I do think that there's also something that good surfing is made of and that there should be a way to decipher good surfing versus poor surfing. So that gray area that I'm unsure about is the nature of this episode and the meat and potatoes of this conversation that I have in this episode. Specifically, the conversation is between myself and a former ASP judge His name is Eric Kramer. He was a judge on the world tour for 11 years. He gets more into his credential at the beginning of this episode. But um, he's a good friend of mine, and we've worked together in a couple different capacities over the last couple of years. So I'm proud to call him a friend. And I was also, I've never really engaged him in a conversation like this, just in our friendly day-to-day conversation. So I really enjoyed picking him apart and hearing his professional opinion about judging and the way that he views surfing and the way that the ASP tries to uh, create objectivity in their scoring criteria. So I fully enjoyed my conversation with Eric and had never engaged in that type of conversation with him before. And I'm really proud to be able to present that conversation to you, the listener of Surf Splendor. So I hope that you enjoy it as well. As always, feel free to share your feedback. It'll help craft future shows. And you can do that on surfsplendorpodcast.com. You can leave comments in the comment section of each page or email us through the website at hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com. And then of course on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search Surf Splendor and then engage that way. And as I always say, you are our only form of advertising this show. So share the show with friends. We don't advertise in any other way. There's no revenue stream for the show. So the only way that we can grow the show is through more listeners. And we're reliant upon you to find those new listeners. Tell your friends about the show, share it with them, post the link for this show on their Facebook wall, tag them in our Facebook posts, and that just helps grow the show organically. So shameless self-promotion right now for the last 30 seconds, And uh, but I need your help in growing the show, and I appreciate you doing so up until now because the show has grown. So just enjoy the show. I'll be back at the end to sign us off. Thank you for listening. Alright, so I'm sitting here with um, Eric Kramer. The idea for today's episode was basically to give insight into the current ASP judging uh, criteria, but also just what's in the mind of of an ASP judge. So, with that in mind, I'd like to introduce Eric Kramer to the show.
0: Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate you bringing me into the Into your show today?
1: Yeah, also you were in a previous episode, unknowingly, kind of. (laughs) Anatomy of a surf trip, the episode down uh of a surf trip that I participated in down in Bocas del Toro, Panama. Eric was the head coach on that trip. So Um, do you wanna give your credential? For those who didn't listen to that episode, maybe, what are your credentials?
0: Uh well basically I'm been a surfer my whole life and My credentials kind of come from having a background basically as a competitor for about 15 years Um, started competing in the amateur events in the 80s and all the way up into the mid 90s and around the late 90s or early 90s I started um, judging some smaller uh, events while I was competing in the professional ones and then I started doing a lot of traveling on my own and as I was starting to push up into the professional ones. ASP came along in 1997 and asked me if um, I was interested in judging on the ASP WCT tour. And I said, yes, please get me on that trip, on that ticket. And so basically I judged at that level of the ASP WCT from from 1998 to 2008, so for 11 years. And that was for the women's CTs, that was for the men's CTs. Um, That was all the QS's back then, so we were all over the place.
1: Yeah, and a good period of time where you got to see Kelly win titles, Mick, Andy, right? Yeah. Like all those guys.
0: I mean... Sonny? Yeah. Sonny was there. uh, Aki won his his title. That's right. Um, Kelly won a couple, and then he retired, and Mick got in there, Andy got in there. It It was a really good time to be on tour.
1: Okay, awesome. So can you explain what the panel looks like of
0: judges? Five judges? Yeah. They use five judges and they have a head judge, they have a spotter, um, they have the replay system. Okay.
1: And all. The, um, I should actually start off by saying you're no longer, are you any longer affiliated with the ASP?
0: No, I'm no longer affiliated with the ASP. Okay. Uh, about five years ago I got into private coaching and that's when I decided to draw the line, uh, move my career into a different direction. And so as I became a coach then I was no longer a judge for the ASP. and. Um, just move on from there.
1: Uh, 2008 was the last year you were on tour. That's obviously six years ago now. How much has the judging criteria changed in that period of time?
0: I don't think that the judging criteria has changed so much. They still value the same uh, criteria, which is commitment, degree of difficulty, progressive and innovative maneuvers, combination of major maneuvers, uh, variety of repertoire, speed, power, and flow. We're analyzing the same thing um in contests these days that they were back then. I think in the prior years to that there was a lot of changing but you know it's what I think has gotten really interesting is now that they have the video replay and they're able to go back and watch close heats and really get a fix on, you know, who they thought got through the heat.
1: And even though the criteria hasn't changed, are there any other elements of I don't know the structure that's changed? Same number of judges, do the judges have to represent certain countries or how is that all divided?
0: Um, well, there I, th- I think between 1998 and 2008 there was a lot of different changes going on. With then, over the last few years, I don't think there's been a lot of changes going on. Um, obviously, they try to limit the number of judges from a certain country um, that represent that panel. Okay. But it, it doesn't have to be like one from every country. Got it. But they definitely, if you're, you know, have a country in a in the home country, you can't have more than a few of those judges on the panel. Gotcha. But at the same time, always the the high score and the low score get thrown out.
1: Okay. What were some of the challenges um, when you were judging? I know the internet probably is a lot more influential now than it was back then. And I feel like there's a lot of criticism on the internet of the ASP judges. Can you kind of speak to that from the judges' standpoint? What are the challenges being a judge for an ASP event?
0: Well, the challenges are just the day-to-day... Um, you're there, you're watching every single wave, every single maneuver, um, you're making and breaking careers, you're, the pressure's on the line, you're the challenge of traveling, you're onto a different spot every day. People were telling me in the beginning, you've got the best job in the world. And I was like, all I see is the contest site and the hotel and I'm onto the next spot. Right. Um, so there's a lot of challenges in there all within their different areas, but there's a lot of pressure in the job at the same time. You know, you, you are watching the best surfers in the world. So there's a lot of positives and there's a lot of stress as well.
1: With that amount of, uh, I don't know, time on the beach and not a lot of free time in between, does that help or hinder the ability to do the job?
0: Well, I think it helps and hinders. I mean, you definitely need a break to be at your best. You can't just go and judge through 15 events in a row and expect to perform at your best. Right. You need to have that downtime. You need to go back in the water, go surfing, remember that you're a surfer again, and get out there and you know take some of that froth and inspiration from watching the best surfers in the world into your, into your approach when you go for a surf and just have fun again.
1: Yeah. So how accurate do you think you can be at your job, though, under the environment? under the environmental constraints that you were under, do you feel like you were 100% accurate or the panel as a whole was? Do you feel like there was 20% room for error on any given day? I mean...
0: I can't really give like a percentage or anything, but you know, I'd say I know the judges are always 100% doing their best. Yeah. But they are humans and you know, there's always a difference of opinion. They're giving their opinions, and that's because they're judges. Right. Um, basically, they're giving their, their opinion with a set of 100 numbers. And those numbers, when they're all added together and averaged high and low, those those numbers are what decides the heat.
1: Well, what have your thoughts been in the past, uh, I guess, six years that you've been off the tour and not judging? Uh, there's been some controversial calls, but as a whole, how do you feel about the judging currently? Do you think it's improved? It's the same as when you were there. Has it gotten worse? I think like the general internet's view is that it's always getting worse. You know, and the internet, of course, is just sensational no matter what. But that's kind of the vibe you get with the internet. What are your thoughts?
0: I think you're always gonna have critics, and no matter what your sport you're in, if it's yeah. surfing or baseball or soccer or basketball you're always going to have people that are going to lose or aren't happy with the results and the judges are the first one to blame every time right um so whether they're getting it right or wrong at the end of the event there's really only one person that's happy and that's the guy that won
1: right a lot of people that are unhappy exactly <laughs> interesting so what are your thoughts that do you think that they're getting better worse or the same um the I judging th- as a whole
0: i think in general they're getting better but it's in my opinion it's there's always close heats close heats are going to go either way right um and so but i think in general they're getting better you know the replay gets to be used back in you know the beginning of when i started on the ct it was like you get to watch the wave once you write down your score and you hope you nailed it yeah that's tough so it's like real time
1: yeah how much does your opinion change when you review it now you have the benefit of the heat analyzer of course and you can watch things in replay as many times as you want as a judge how much is your first impression different than your reviewed impression
0: um i think in general it's you're pretty accurate really you know, they, they always say your first thought is probably the right one yeah so stick with it don't think about too much because usually that first impression leads you pretty close but you know sometimes you know, you might have a longer wave. Somebody's finishing off their ride at the end. Somebody's starting their wave at the top. Sometimes you might miss a little bit more here or there. Right. It just brings in a closer accuracy.
1: Yeah. Okay. So all of that discussion is leading up to um, the objective of today's show, which I asked you about controversial heats that have happened in the past and kind of are the judges getting it right or wrong. There was a specific controversial heat in the J bay event the J bay open i guess is what they're calling it um in 2014 which just concluded last week and uh that heat was with sebastian zietz versus jeremy flores and i'm not really spoiling the ending i think by this point everybody kind of knows sebastian zietz ended up winning the heat it was a very close heat but Jeremy Flores was very disappointed in the result, so much so that he apparently stormed the judge's tower. Uh, He was cussing a lot, and there were reports that um, he actually threw some punches, and it's unconfirmed whether or not he actually threw the punches at somebody or a judge, or if he was just punching at the door, or punched a wall, maybe, of the judge's tower, uh, showing his frustration. But in any, at any rate, um, the ASP has fined Jeremy Flores and suspended him from the next two events, which are the U.S. Open and the Billabong Pro in Tahiti. So Jeremy's out for two events. The sad thing, or the unfortunate thing for him, is that he's already having a pretty poor year, and so he was on the bubble for requalification. He needs some good results. So now with a last-place finish, finish at Jay Bay, and then missing Tahiti, those are basically his two throwaways, and uh, he's going to have to probably win some events if he wants to requalify for the tour next year. So the objective today is we're going to watch, Eric and I are going to watch the heat with Seabass and Jeremy Flores. Eric's going to kind of help break down the individual waves being scored, and I'll have more questions for him in regards to judging just at large that uh, we'll discuss in between waves. So that's the objective for the show. Um, I'm going to push play on the heat analyzer. There's 28 minutes left in the heat. Jeremy is getting the first wave of the heat. And um, this wasn't one of his ultimate scoring waves. It was just kind of a warm-up wave. So we don't really need to discuss it, but Eric will kind of write down his notes as we're going through this, like he would when he's working with young kids. Um, Let me ask you, though, with all your time, on tour, did you ever deal with um, competitors storming the tower, cursing at judges, and or violence?
0: Well, I was there for long enough that I saw my share of um, unhappy surfers. Okay. And yeah, I totally understand their side of it as well from being a competitor, now being a coach, that when you come out of the water, you're in a fully emotional time. When you're out there and you're doing well in the heat and you lose the heat by hundreds of a point, and your career is riding on it and you have all that emotion and all that momentum moving forward and you lose in a heat that you maybe thought you got underscored here, you know, and you're not happy with the result, I can see when they get out of the water, they're hot. But, you know, I've seen some pretty heavy things go down. Um, I'm interested to see what happens in this heat, but...
1: what can you explain any of the heavy things that went down? Was there any instance, um, story you could tell?
0: Uh, I'll just keep that one to myself. (laughs) Without uh, defaming anybody? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Everybody who was there knew.
1: Okay. Sonny Garcia, I mean, is notorious, I think, for expressing his anger at times. And he was obviously on tour when you were there. Was there any issues with him?
0: Yeah. I mean, we had issues um, with Sonny Garcia. I can remember one time in particular. It was 1999. um, It was the event at Chopu. And the event had been not the event, but the uh, judging tower had been torn down by the waves before the contest even started. Okay. It was basically a a crumbled up aluminum can sitting on the reef. So we had to judge that first year there was a CT from a boat. Okay. Um, And that was was really exciting because we basically had to sit in the bottom of the channel shooting over waves in the boat while you're trying to score and watch everything. Yeah. But sometimes you miss the end of the section because you don't want the boat to go over the falls, right? So there was one wave in particular I remember that Sonny, you know, had a good barrel out the outside, came to the inside, and then just probably had an amazing barrel on the reef. But we never saw it. We scored it like a 4.5, oh. and he just came paddling up to the boat because you know we're right there in in the competitors' environment. He just you know let us have it.
1: Yeah. Is there any line of defense between the competitors and the judges?
0: Well, in reality, it's it's the, the competitors. Um, are never supposed to talk to the judges. Okay. Um, that's They know that that's where the line needs to be drawn. All protests, all complaints are to be handled directly with the head judge. Okay. And that's in the rule book. Okay.
1: When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs.
0: Go to com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
1: And so there's, uh, I don't know, punishment in place for if they do cross that boundary or some sort of reprimanding?
0: Well, back in the beginning of when I started judging on the CT tour, it was pretty minor. It was a couple hundred bucks here and there, a slap on the wrist. But with time, as incidents started growing more and more because... People just become more and more emotional over their results. Um, the incidences start started to become more and more common and more and more severe. So, the the rules and the consequences had to adapt to right. the adaptation within the sport. Okay. Um,
1: there's a couple of on the heat analyzer that we're watching. We're letting it play in real time. There's a couple waves that be, that have been ridden. None of them end up factoring into the final heat totals, but can you talk about how important it is, uh, I don't know, to judge these waves at the beginning of the heat and how the, how that sets kind of the, uh, the scale for the rest of the heat?
0: Well, all the waves in the, in the heat are, are important because basically you're setting a scale from the first significant of the ride and you're holding that scale from the, that ride until the very end of the heat. Mm-hmm. All the beginning waves of the heat are kind of almost scaled off the previous heat. Okay. So you're kind of keeping a framework, you know you know what's an eight, you know what's a 10, based on how things are going through the day. Obviously, things are gonna change as conditions change because sometimes it might be easier to get a score, other times harder. So the scale can change through the day if conditions change. Um, And as far as like the beginning of the heat, yeah, every little wave sets it, but it's not really what decides it. But it definitely gives you a framework of where you're gonna work with.
1: Okay, one question that I've always had Um, is how do you divorce yourself from subjectivity? You know, the criteria is defined, and I think the ASP really strives to be objective and to set a criteria and stick to a criteria. But realistically, you have a favorite surfer, I'm sure, in the world, maybe a couple, and once that surfer paddles out for their heat, how do you judge the heat objectively at that point?
0: Well, I mean, you always... People are always throwing out criticism here and there. Oh, you know, the judges like this guy, they're biased for this guy, he's yeah. sponsored by that. You're gonna hear that. You've heard that all the time, and I don't think it'll ever stop. Like I said, people are always critics, but as far as like separating yourself, you just need to remember the job that you're there doing. Remember, you know, that you're really just judging the colors, you're watching surfing, and, and you wanna do your best. For me, I was a competitor. So I wanted to take my competitive side and I didn't wanna see anybody lose a heat that they shouldn't have. Sure. I wanted to do my 100% best so that they would get the right result and we could just bring that through.
1: Okay, I understand that in theory, but let's look at uh, Jeremy Flores and Sebastian Zietz. Do you have a surfer whom you prefer to watch? If one of those guys were to paddle out here out front and start surfing, which would you prefer it to be and you're gonna watch from the beach?
0: To me, I don't really have a favorite one. I oh. just wanna see good surfing.
1: Okay, Curran versus Aki in the Heritage Series. Who would you prefer to watch Surf J-Bay?
0: You got to give an answer, <laughs> uh, I still got that judging at heart. I'm, I, I want to see them both rip. I want to see the best man win. Of
1: course you want to see the best man win, but my point is that you like Tom Curran. I'm just going to say it because I know you do. and And it's kind of like I know... So now I'm going to try to watch it objectively, but I know that my heart already aligns with the way that this person surfs. And so it's not that I'm assigning a greater value to Tom Curran, the human being. It's just that my emotion identifies with the way that he rides a wave. And it's it's hard for me to imagine being able to completely separate yourself from that emotional connection you have with Curran. You know, I mean, I mean, I... I think every judge has a favorite surfer before they're a judge and that's why they became a judge is because they love surfing and as a fan of surfing you have favorite surfers you know so it becomes very odd for me to understand I know the objective is true or the intent is true and pure that you want to make it objective but just is that practical is it possible.
0: I don't know, for me I think it's totally possible. Really? Yeah. Okay. And I, I know for all those guys, that are, they're still there and still grinding away, and I know they're 100% doing their best, and you just, it's your job, you need to learn how to separate it. You've been okay. trained for that. Like I say, you're just judging the surfing, you're just watching the colors, you know?
1: Hmm.
0: Um, and, and you know as well, if you, if you push for one or you're hard on the other, the high and low go out, so it doesn't really matter anyway.
1: To an extent, yeah. I mean, statistically, it might matter still, but yeah, I I agree. I know what you mean. Um, I don't fully believe you, but I (laughs) but I understand. That's
0: all right. You have your opinion, just like everybody else.
1: I I mean, trust me. I would love for it to be that cut and dry. I just I guess that's why I'm not a never pursued judging as a career because I'm too emotionally attached. I totally get that too. I'm going to skip forward into the first scoring wave, which looks like it's Jeremy Flores. So it's about head high, J-Bay, round two, heat number 10. Should I commentate? If you like. Jeremy Flores off the bottom, off the top, and then he gets a second kind of fuller rail gouge, little foam climb, little cut back, so four maneuvers kind of pump through a slow section, roundhouse, rebound off the whitewash, off the top wrap, float to end. So that's the first significant wave. So are you saying that that is where the scale would be set basically off that first significant wave?
0: Um, I would say it was set from the beginning, but this just really sets it in place. Um, He's doing really good surfing here. I mean, he's for sure gonna get a good score out of this. It's really nice, clean, open carves. Um, Some of the turns look a little bit forward, but it's really great surfing. Okay. But they're also comparing that to, you know, some of the other heats that have gone before this. Right. So it's just all in comparison. Right.
1: So um, did you see what the judges scored that wave when I moused over it?
0: Yeah, I saw that it was a 7.6.
1: Okay. So how do you feel about that score?
0: I think that was pretty good. Like I said, it it was really good surfing. It didn't have a turn in it that made me go, wow. Right. Which would push me into the excellent, but it was really nice carving surfing. Okay.
1: So seabass is up on the next one. Little bit of a tail drift, uh, comes down from that, does a big open face kind of down carve into a tail blow. So three maneuvers, works his way around the whitewash, gets a barrel on the inside, comes out the doggy door. So three maneuvers and a barrel versus Jeremy Flores is five maneuvers or so. Um, Here's a replay so you can kind of watch it in slow-mo. Um, see, so I do have a favorite surfer. <laughs> uh, and for me, it's Seabass. I like Seabass's spontaneity. Jeremy, on his first wave, surfed exactly like I would expect Jeremy to surf mm-hmm. and did what I've seen him do a million times before, so there wasn't an excitement to me. Seabass, on the other hand, a little bit more flair and excitement. So, um, I'm biased, completely biased in this scenario, but well, what is, at least
0: you know That's
1: Yeah. What did you think of that exchange?
0: Um, I haven't seen the scores yet, but I like Sebastian's better. Okay. He kind of hung the first turn just a little bit, yeah. but after that it was just solid. Okay. He had really open turns. Um, he had that one just kind of blow tail in the lip, got a little barrel at the end. It was a pretty sick wave.
1: Yeah. Jeremy's by comparison, I think, like you said, really good surfing, but never really had the vertical section of the wave either. It was a little bit more horizontal surfing right so um, which isn't his fault of course it's just wave selection
0: yeah of course
1: so looking at the way that this heat this uh, heat was scored Seabass got the lower score Seabass got a seven zero, and Jeremy got a 7-6 so um, I think we're probably both in agreement that those were super comparable waves probably
0: right once again they were both good surfing you, you look at the scale the judges kind of break that 10 point scale down into five different categories. You know, your point one to two would be your poor wave, your two to four is your fair wave, four to six being average. That six to eight point range, which both those waves are in, that's considered good surfing. Mm -hmm. And then your eight to 10 is is your excellent surfing. Hmm.
1: Yeah, and I would say you're right. Neither of those were excellent, but both were definitely good. Right. So, And you kind of-
0: Then you just need to decide whether you're like rail surfing or top to bottom surfing. Right. There's way more degree of difficulty in top to bottom surfing rather than rail surfing.
1: Right, and you really almost as a competitor have to just accept the fact that if you're gonna kind of go blow for blow and leave it in the judges' hands, that there's a point, almost a point of grace period, really, right, where it's like one judge might prefer my style of surfing or the way that I surf that wave, and another judge might prefer his. So even if I think I won, I really. Unless I make more than a point difference between our two waves, it's kind of
0: up to the judges, so to speak, right? Exactly. I mean, you can set down all different people, and it's, it's an opinionated sport. I mean, it's judging. And so everybody has a different opinion. It's not to say one is right and one is wrong, because sometimes what one person appreciates in surfing the other person appreciates something totally different. Right. But the judges are just kind of getting on that same wavelength by just analyzing it on what they feel is good surfing as applied by the criteria. Right.
1: Let me ask you um, one thing that Tony talked about in the previous episode, uh, Tony Roberts, was him kind of a desire for an aesthetic category in the judging criteria you know, some sort of element that allows for style to be scored. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I mean, like I said, judging surfing events is already judgmental. Style is, they have the word flow in there. Like I said earlier, speed, power, flow. And flow is is basically about as close as, that part of the criteria comes to style. Okay. Style, I think it, you know, you look at the history of the criteria of judging surf contests, it's been in there at various times. Okay. But I think that's been a problematic piece of the criteria because what one person thinks is really good style, somebody else thinks is absolutely horrible style. Right. So you get a big difference of opinion there and obviously that's what we're trying to avoid.
1: Okay, devil's advocate. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Surfing, I mean, I would, I would argue that the entire endeavor of surfing is based around aesthetic, you know, and it seems very counterintuitive to try to eliminate aesthetic from the act and from the viewing of it especially. Um, even though it's very difficult to do uh, logistically, to factor aesthetic and style into the criteria, is it a failure of judging to not include it
0: I don't think it's I don't think it's a failure in judging to not include it okay. not at all I mean like I say flow is is analyzed a little bit differently, but it's it's really looking at you know how you link everything together how smooth and flowing you are down the line and that's just a huge piece of style for me
1: okay so flow is the I don't know um, the synonym, I guess, for style, for for the judging.
0: Without getting too controversial.
1: Okay. I'll have to think that one over, dude. I'm not sure I'm sold on that yet. That's all right. Um, So we're going to watch Jeremy's second scoring wave right here. Looks like the wave's a little bit more down the line, does more kind of a vertical poke on the first one, gets the fins a little release on the second, then does kind of a carve under the lip, back into the lip for a fourth, and then kind of banks off the lip a little bit of a float for the fifth. So smaller wave, faster, uh, more vertical kind of coping to the wave, and gets kind of a bit of variety of maneuver, I would say.
0: On this one, watching the replay, I mean, the first turn's nice, but a little bit forward. Second turn's forward again. The third turn is the nice one, That one he opened up. And then through here, it's good surfing still, but to me it just gets really repetitive. It's the yeah, same you're maneuver right. every time, and like you said, it's on a smaller wave. Yeah. Not that the judges are judging the size of the wave, but obviously you ride a bigger wave. It's There's more commitment in riding the bigger waves versus the smaller waves. Hmm.
1: I thought there was variety of maneuver when I watched it live and was trying to talk at the same time, but you're right, in review, not a lot of variety of maneuver. Other
0: than the third turn, all the turns are... In that general kind of, you know, top yeah. turn.
1: Did you see the score for that, or
0: I didn't see the score for it. Do you have an
1: estimated what what you think that'd be about? Um.
0: <laughs> Do you want me to not put you on the spot? Uh, I'd say it's if his first one was a seven, it's I don't know somewhere in the sixes or something.
1: Five nine three is what Five, the judges nine, agreed upon.
0: So I think that's a pretty good score.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: The first two turns, like I said, he were a little bit forward. Mm-hmm. Third turn was the best turn on that wave.
1: If you caught that wave and surfed that at J Bay, would that be the best wave of your life?
0: (laughs) J Bay happens to be my favorite wave in the world. I was lucky enough to judge this event five times, and people ask me, oh, what's your favorite wave in the world? And without any doubt, my favorite right is Jeffries Bay. I love point breaks. Did you get it good? Um, Of the five times I judged it, there was a few just spectacular years, and then there was a few years where we just struggled to finish. It's, you know, obviously, one of the one surfing wonders of the world, but at the same time, it's it has its moments where, you know, you're waiting and waiting for swell that just doesn't come.
1: Right. Who's the best surfer that you've witnessed live out there? Who's put on like the most incredible performance? Not necessarily in a, in a
0: contest. I mean, everybody's got their moment um, and everybody's pretty much everybody surfs really good out there. So, so different surfing point breaks, how you read the waves and how you line it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of my, it's pretty exciting, one of the years that I was there judging a, a Jordy one as a wild card. I remember that. Uh, yeah. That was really exciting. Uh, one of the best surfers I think out there would be would be Sean Holmes. And he's a South African local wild card. And you know, he's not in there anymore, but he was just always putting it to the best guys. And you know you could see that the fear in the top five when they drew him in a heat, because they knew that he was gonna be on the best waves and he was gonna give them a run for that heat. Hmm. Yeah,
1: that's a great answer. I I mean, I definitely remember seeing him surf some events out there, but I wasn't, I don't know, as critical of surfing at that time. I just loved everything and everybody, yep. but I'm curious to go back and see that guy surf. He was young, right? When he was doing the wildcard thing? Um, he wasn't too young. Oh, he I'd wasn't? say he was
0: probably in his early 20s. Okay.
1: I thought he was like a teenager or something. Um, you're really not going to give me an answer with your favorite performance out there, are you? You're the
0: best <laughs> surfer ever at J-Bay. I don't know. Can't there's, pick one? Yeah, there's so many memories.
1: Yeah, what about Andy, Kelly? Any highlights with those guys?
0: Um, pretty much, you know, every good wave they ride out there just makes a good memory. But yeah. as far as, like, you know, this or that, no, it's just great surfing. Yeah. All
1: right, so Seabass uh, needs a score. Um. Let me see. Six
0: minutes
1: minutes left. Seabass, they're not they don't say exactly what he needs. Looks like a seven or something, but he does a huge opening turn. Kinda down carve off the top snap. Double pump off the bottom into a floater. Another kind of floater that gets stuck pulls out the back. So Seabass' heat total is 11.87, Jeremy's is 13.53, so Jeremy's leading with six minutes left. Seabass gets this wave. I don't know exactly what he needs, but I think it's around a seven. What are your thoughts watching the replay?
0: Um, I don't know. I thought he surfed it pretty good. He didn't finish as well, the wave off, but I thought he had some really good turns in the beginning. You know, It's not so much about how you're finishing your waves, it's really important about how you start your wave. On a point break, those first few maneuvers show so much commitment. Mm. You know, whether you're going for the big turn or you're, you're kind of going easy down the line and opening as you get down the line. So I thought it was good surfing once again. Just had just more rail, more power in all yeah. of those turns.
1: That's kind of what I noticed too. Um, the other ones were turns in the lip. Uh, in the previous wave surfed, I should say, were more turns in the lip. That, the point of difference on those first two turns, were a lot more rail. So I think that could make a difference. Do you feel like that wave was better than the other waves on par? Or well, that's, how is it?
0: that's the thing with judging. I mean, you set your scale from the beginning. You have those beginning waves and then you start setting with the significant waves and everything is in comparison. Right. Um, and then you kind of go from there. It's almost like you're putting a puzzle together. You're like, well, I like it better than this one, but less than this, that one, but mm-hmm. how much better? Like one point better, half a point better? So you're really just putting all the pieces together.
1: So they're replaying the earlier wave, which he got scored a seven on. So the question is, how does that compare to a seven? And earlier, Jeremy got a 7.6. Is that on par with those scores or?
0: Well, I mean, some people are gonna say yeah, some people are gonna say no, it's just how much you value the beginning of the wave versus the end of the wave. I, I think it's on par with those scores. Okay. What's he needing?
1: that's the thing they're not saying but i mean if we just do the math he's needing a 6.53 so was that a 6.53 in compared comparison to the seven and the 7.6
0: well it's definitely better than the 593 so okay. there's a big comparison right there the 593 it's nearly a six so
1: so was it was better than the 593 but was it a point better was it half a point better you know right was it a 653 is the question.
0: In my opinion, yes. Yeah, I think it was a six five three.
1: Okay, and I agree with you. I think it was too. I think it was on. It was probably about a seven in my uh, crude scoring. Uh, it was a six. So the judges ended up scoring it a six six seven. So it was better than what he needed by, you know, uh, a little more than a tenth of a point, basically. So that leaves Jeremy then needing a score. We're gonna have to let the judges. Um, Actually, there's two minutes and 30 seconds left, and Jeremy only gets one wave left in this heat, and he ends up getting a 1.27. So it's up and down. Yeah, so it doesn't even factor in. So Seabass was left needing the 654, and he ended up getting it with a 667. So I think like you can tell how uh, little difference there was between those waves, just listening to us trying to even decipher. You know, the, minute, the minutia between them. Right. Um, so what are your thoughts now in terms of knowing the result of this and that Jeremy goes in and throws a fit? How do you feel the ASP has dealt with the controversy?
0: Well, my personal opinion watching this heat is I thought, you know, what was the difference? This 0.14 difference in the heat. In my opinion, actually, it could have been a little bit more.
1: Could have been closer or could have been farther apart? Could
0: have been farther apart. Okay,
1: with sea bass farther in front? With
0: sea bass farther in front. Okay. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. You know, you have other judges up there and you know, that have different of opinion. That's why it becomes a close to heat in the end. I think the bottom line that we're looking at here though is was his outbreak warranted or not based on losing the heat by 0.14? Right. Absolutely not.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's, no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Okay. I mean they're all professional surfers they're no they're within professional events. Yeah. We're promoting the the sport of surfing to a much bigger public and I think that, you know, everybody is there to give their professionalism and the athletes need to show that 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. We're really trying to produce a product um, you know for for the internet and for people at home and people on the beach. You can't be having that. That's one of the things that damages the image of surfing
1: right does it um factor in at all do you think to their to their punishment the fact that jeremy has past um misconduct
0: well i mean you th- when you think about it you're like oh six thousand dollars wow that's a big chunk and then you think of, but in reality the surfers yeah 16, six six thousand dollars is a big chunk but they're more worried about the points right it's all about the points for qualification and by losing two events like you said in the beginning of the interview that's a that's a big portion right now especially since he's not having such a great year mm-hmm. um, like I said back a ways back the fines weren't so big but they had to increase those fines to really make the surfers start to be more obedient to what the ASP system was you know yeah. needing to see yeah um,
1: yeah Do you feel, um, again, do you feel like the punishment is reflective of the fact that he's had Mm. past misconduct, though? I mean, the fact that he was involved in a scuffle at Snapper Rocks in a free surf uh, that was caught on video, you know, a while back. And I know he's been pretty vocal in his thoughts about the judging and past events.
0: Well, I mean, I was, like I said, I was there within the tour for 11 years. And, you know, I saw him coming on as just a young grommet until he was you know in the middle of the CT and and then I moved from my position and I saw you know quite a few incidents whether it was in France or was in Hawaii or was in Australia you know he's he's got a history of it but I mean I don't think that that makes a a difference in so much you know the scoring or anything like that as far as the penalty comes down um, you know. If it's your first offense, obviously they're going to give you more of a warning and be a little bit lighter on it. But if it's your fifth or sixth offense and, you know, it's kind of like your repeat offender, obviously the more times you do it, the stronger the penalty is going to be. Yeah, That's the only way the person is hopefully going to stop.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit embarrassing for Jeremy, given what you just said about him not only losing the heat, but you feel like, it could have been a more significant loss. You know, he could have lost by more than than what is reflected in the final score line. It's like, yeah, you're throwing a fit for losing a, a heat that you legitimately lost, and you're lucky to have even gotten the score that you got. It just makes him look kind of like a baby.
0: I think, you know, as far as <clears throat> my background from being a competitor and then to a, a judge and now a coach, a lot of the times what I get from surfers is they'd rather lose a heat by a little bit more than a little bit less. Yeah. They would rather lose by half a point or a point than those ones that are like 0.05. Right. And that's what almost just makes them more furious is just losing that heat. Because then I think they're going back and analyzing themselves. They're like, oh, if I would have put a little bit more in this turn, or if I just would have done that, I would have been the one getting through and not them. Right.
1: Well, the other thing that's odd to me is Jeremy more than likely didn't see Sebastian's wave. Jeremy was probably on the outside and Seabass got that score so who is Jeremy to judge whether or not the judge's uh score was correct or not yeah
0: I've seen that happen in the past you know surfers sitting out the back and they see their competitor ride and the guy gets the score turns the heat and they're really upset and they're like no he did this and this and this it's like how good of a judge are you sitting behind just watching the spray exactly you can't judge away from the back you can you know you can fake the turns you can throw a massive turn and it was just a flick turn right or you know it's just impossible yeah
1: definitely all right well that's it for the round two heat 10 controversial heat jeremy floor j flow versus Seabass. Seabass comes out on top and c went on to lose i think in the very next round so uh he didn't make it too far without him or beyond jeremy but nevertheless um while I have you here, Eric, who's your pick for the 2014 world champ?
0: <laughs> Dang it. Spoken like a true judge, right?
1: <laughs> Dude, I got to get you to give me at least one name throughout this thing. Uh, I don't know.
0: Who would you like to see win? Best surfer in the
1: At the end of the tour. Lame.
0: Lame. Still got that judging uh, part, I guess.
1: Would you like to ever see Kelly Slater win a 12th world title?
0: Uh, I I think that'd be really interesting. I think it's good for um, the sport of surfing. Just having him there for so many years. You know, he's a really great spokesman of the sport. And, you know, who else in any other sport is going to have 12 world titles? So I think, you know, he's been around for a long time, and people have their differences of opinion on you know, his heats were always really controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever you have a world title heat in the water, it's always like, oh, we gotta be watching this one really close. Not only is everybody normally judgmental, but they're gonna be watching this one really, really close. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, you have the replays as well. So now everybody gets to watch it five, six, eight, 20 times. Totally. So now, you know, everything gets looked over with a, you know, a magnifying glass. Whereas before it was everybody saw it once and back before it was even, you know, had the replay system online nobody has even seen it at home right you just be reading about it so those things have changed a lot over the years and I think that's great for the sport of surfing in in general Um, and it's just sad to see when outbreaks happen like that that can come back and harm all the uh, positive evolution that the sports had
1: yeah totally
0: okay let me ask you this
1: (laughs) do you foresee a Brazilian
0: winning a world title this year um I think the Brazilians are surfing amazing. Um, whether they win a world title or not, I mean that's going to come down to one of the one of those Brazilians that gives it a run in the end. But the Brazilians are always looking really strong. A really obviously they've always been really strong on uh, beach breaks, um, but I, I think they've come a long long way on the point breaks as well. Um, they used to have a lot of difficulty like reading the waves and lining it up and drawing different lines, but you know there's a few that are really onto it now.
1: Okay. You've given me very PC answers and dodged a yes and no about Kelly winning this year and Gabriel winning this year. Final question, do you see Mick Fanning repeating his title this year? He's coming off a win at J-Bay.
0: I mean, Mick's an amazing surfer (laughs) as well. (laughs) I think he definitely has a chance. I mean, if if you're in the ratings lead at the half, you're definitely looking stronger than anybody else. But he's looking fit. Maneuvers are looking good. You know, he's training hard. I think he's a definite uh, forerunner for it, but obviously there's a few guys right behind him, and it's not going to let that happen very easy as well.
1: Master no, politician. No dude.
0: answers on. It. <laughs> no answer <laughs>
1: at all. So, all right. Well, fair enough, dude. I'll let you stick to your non-opinions. But no, I appreciate your insight and your feedback, and um, thank you. No worries. Thank you, Dave. All right. How do people get a hold of you?
0: Um, you can find me, um, through my website, which is international surf services, www.internationalsurfservices.com. Um, or else you can also find me on Facebook Can kind of check out, you know, what I've been up to through what my judging career has led to me into and, you know, see some of the coaching, um, that I do with some of the other grounds and some of the different lectures that I do and things like that. So lots of different programs. So check it out. Perfect. Thanks. No worries. <sighs> okay.
1: summer in the southern state where I'm the moon floating in space. But I'm Thank you for tuning in hiding. to this episode of Surf Splendor. Thank you very kindly, Eric Kramer, for putting up with my barrage of questioning and criticizing of your very politically correct and fully warranted answers. And, um, and I really appreciate your opinion and your insight into the sport and also your insight into the way that, the, that an ASP judge looks at the sport. It was really insightful and enjoyable, entirely different than the way that I view the sport, but super valid and equally valid and really just entertaining for me. So I appreciate that, Eric Kramer. I hope you give me the opportunity to put you on the witness stand again in future episodes I think it'd be fun to do periodically so thanks Eric Kramer thank you fans for listening to this show and of course sharing the show with a friend you are our only form of advertising we would love to bring on high profile guests continue to bring on high profile guests to this show and so we will continue to chase down those guests but They'll be more inclined to join the show the more listeners that we have. And uh, you doing your part will allow us to do our part and attract big fish to this show. And we'll just keep this snowball growing and gaining momentum in the future. Also, follow us on social media. That's the easiest way to share the show. Search Surf Splendor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find us there. And that's a great way to share the show with friends. If you enjoy the music that you've heard in Surf Splendor, we've created a playlist of every episode and it's available on Spotify. Go to our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com forward slash music and you can find the playlist for every single episode. Everything is archived on there for free, including all past episodes of Surf Splendor. Plus, the heat analyzer for this heat that we discussed in this episode. And uh, basically, just all ancillary content, photos, video for every episode is on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Thank you for tuning in and participating in this show. We're thrilled to have you. And until next week, this is David Scales signing off, Surf Splendor, saying thank you for listening. Ciao.